Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Podcast. This audio is brought to you by Canon Press. The new year gives us an opportunity to take inventory of 2020 as well as look forward to 2021. And I cannot recommend enough Douglas Wilson's productivity. Make 2021 the most productive year so far. Get it today at canonpress.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 175. Good to have you here. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, today about how we learn. And I'm talking about how we learn spiritually, how, how we learn biblical, spiritual truths. Now, it says in Psalm 119.71, it was good that I was afflicted because that's what caused me to learn God's statutes. It's, it's good that I was afflicted. So, affliction is oftentimes a very blessed time for believers. Uh, you don't miss your water till your well runs dry. And oftentimes, believers who had become fat and lazy and complacent and taking everything for granted, all of a sudden, it's those things are threatened or they're destabilized or there was some sort of affliction or challenge. And uh, afterwards, we can look back and see that that was a good time for me. I really had to turn to the Lord and trust the Lord. This is also something that we all know. We don't practice it as much as we ought to, but it's something we instinctively know. But then uh, there's the example of Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 17, 5 and 6. It says, um, Jehoshaphat received all kinds of gifts and honors and praise, and he was on top of the world. Jehoshaphat was had all these good things flooding into him, honors and prizes and gifts and so on. And it says, and his heart was lifted up to serve the Lord. So, this is one of those instances in Scripture where we can point to what we might call Deuteronomic blessings. Deuteronomic blessings. The, the general pattern of Deuteronomy is you people are going to be given all this wealth, and then you're going to tell yourselves, Deuteronomy 8, you're going to tell yourselves, uh, my hand, my intelligence, my shrewdness has gotten me this wealth. And so, you're going to start patting yourself on the back, and you're going to lose it all. Because again, in Deuteronomy 28, it basically says there that the reason all the curses of Deuteronomy 28 are going to come down on you is because you did not rejoice before the Lord for the abundance of all things. In other words, Jehoshaphat's reaction in Second Chronicles 17 is the reaction that the Jews ought to have had um, as described in Deuteronomy uh, 28 or in Nehemiah 8 where he says, eat the fat and drink the sweet, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We oftentimes feel like there are the uh, rich Christians in their lazy boys drinking, you know, drinking their soft drinks, watching the evening's entertainment on their big flat screen. They've got that's the lazy, complacent Christian, and then there's the Christian in the Siberian labor camps, or the Christian in the on the pilgrimage or in frontier missions making sacrifices. Well, uh, that breakdown often does occur. That's a that's a reality in the world. But there's also those faithful believers, as it says in Hebrews 11, who um, conquered armies, uh, ruled kingdoms, 
receive their dead back to life, uh, were rescued from the mouths of lions, where they, they have actual triumphs, and then the others who went through really hard, difficult times. So, depending on your circumstance, depending on where you are, depending on what God has uh, doing for you, you can learn spiritual truths from affliction. And if you're in an affliction, that's, that's what you should be wanting, looking for. What, what truth does God want me to gain from this? What truth does God want me to get from this? But if you are being blessed with right-handed blessings, if God's just blessing you, like you, you sometimes wonder if he mistook you for Joseph at, and he's just pouring out his blessings on you, you want to have that be an opportunity to serve the Lord, to learn what the Lord is like, and have your heart lifted up to serve the Lord. Both of these things are intended to teach us that God is good. When we are afflicted, we need to learn that God is good. And when we are in abundance, we need to learn that God is good. That's why Paul says in Philippians, I've learned the secret of being content in whatever state I am, whether well-fed or hungry, both ways. The, the contentment is a duty in both circumstances. So, continuing with uh, podcast episode 175, uh, we come now to our hamartiology section. So, we come, down to, uh, we come now to another hopox, uh, a word that is used just once in the New Testament. We've looked at other words related to grumbling, and here's another one. The word is gongustes, which is translated as murmurer. Gongustes, which is translated as murmurer. This rendering, this one occurrence, occurs in Jude, verse 16. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. So, Jude is talking about the false teachers who had insinuated themselves into the love feasts of these early Christians. They are bombastic and proud men, as well as empty and fruitless in their lives. So, uh, there's a long description of them, but one of the descriptions is that they are murmurers. Now, there's something in the heart of man that wants to complain, something in the heart of fallen man that wants to complain, and so this is one of the ways that false teachers can bait the hook. If you want to get into someone's good graces, try to anticipate what, what might be irritating them and then vocalize it for them. This is one of their methods for gaining followers. They vocalize the discontents of the heart, and then the discontented person says to himself, yes, I do feel that way. He thinks it must be a sign. <laughs> How could this man know my heart the way he does? Well, he knows his heart the way he does because maybe it's because his heart is as dirty as yours. There's a way where a man standing in a pulpit with an open Bible can uh, be preaching the Word of God, and the Word of God lays bare the secrets of men's hearts. When that happens, it does it with a scalpel. It does it because the surgeon is removing the tumor. In this circumstance, the false teacher vocalizes a discontent or a resentment or a difficulty. Uh, I just don't think the preaching is good. You know, I, I, don't th I don't know if the elders know what that. I don't know if the elders examined this issue as carefully as they should. You know, I, I'm not sure that I, I really want the nursery to be painted that color or something of, of um, greater moment like the, what the mission's budget is or whatever. So, the person who's trying to lure people into following him will oftentimes do it 
by, by sneaking in and becoming a complainer, by becoming the person who becomes the spokesman of a group of people who share that same complaint. And oftentimes, he'll complain about something, and it's sort of like running that complaint up the flagpole to see who salutes. And then when a band gathers around, he says, okay, I've got, okay, I've got my following. Over the years as a pastor, I've seen this uh, pattern happen again and again. Uh, so many times I gave it a name, I call it FOG, um, the Fellowship of the Grievance, F-O-G, Fellowship of Grievance. And so what happens is that people who have, they used to be harmoniously connected to one another because of Christ, but now they're connected to one another because of their gripe. Uh, it's the fellowship of the grievance. Their grievance is the sacrament that ties them together. One time, one of the, one of the more striking examples of this uh, was I had someone leave the church, and they left the church because of the behavior. I'll call them Smith and Jones. Jones left the church because of something that Smith was doing. And then later, Smith got discontent and left the church over some other reason. And the first thing you know, Smith and Jones, outside the church, are great buddies. They, 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 they teamed up because they now had a common bond, and that common bond was their grievance. That's how false teachers work. They're murmurers. They're complainers. Continuing with podcast episode 175, the book that I want to review this time, well, this is two for one. This book is called A Short Introduction to Abraham Kuyper's Lectures on Calvinism. That's a mouthful. Short Introduction to Abraham Kuyper's Lectures on Calvinism. Uh, this uh, short introduction is by Jesse Sumter. Jesse Sumter. Now, Abraham Kuyper was a, phen a phenomenon in the Netherlands. Oh, incidentally, the Netherlands is the country. Holland is one of the provinces in that country. And there's a North Holland and a South Holland. So when you call the Netherlands Holland, it's sort of like calling the United States Dakota. So just keep that in mind. But Abraham Kuyper was a theologian. He was a pastor. He was uh, an educator. He, was, uh, he became the prime minister of the Netherlands. He was sort of a tornado in boots. Um, he, he was really something. And um, Abraham Kuyper was invited to, um, at the early part of the 20th century, he was invited to give the Stone Lectures, I believe, uh, at Princeton. Anyway, um, back when Princeton believed in God. And so, Abraham Kuyper came over and delivered these lectures, and, and they were published as Lectures on Calvinism. And it's just a marvelous book. It's a, it's a wonderful book. Uh, everybody ought to read it. But for many people, that would be a kind of a reach. It'd be a kind of a heavy lift for them. And this is a short book, short, um, be somewhere between a booklet and a book by Jesse Sumter, Toby Sumter's brother. This short introduction to uh, Abraham Kuyper's lectures on Calvinism gets you basically oriented. If you want to read something that will whet your appetite and get you geared up for the full treatment, which you should uh, make sure you get, uh, this, is a, this is a good place to start. Or if you are homeschooling your kids and you want something meaty and substantive for your high school senior or junior to read, 
Kuiper's book, uh, Lectures on Calvinism, would be a great one to take up. And you could use this uh, book, uh, Jesse Sumter's book, as a great introduction. He basically goes through and summarizes, explains, situates the lectures that Kuiper gives. And he, he quotes in there, um, reminded yet again that Kuiper said back at the beginning of the 20th century of the egalitarians that they are not going to be satisfied until they have abolished the difference or the distinction between men and women. When you read some of these um, prophetic utterances, whether there was another Dutchman, uh, Van Prinster, or R.L. Dabney, or C.S. Lewis, Chesterton, some of the things they predicted 75 years or 100 years before they came to fruition tells you not that they had the gift of prophecy proper, but that they thought like Christians. They saw the connectedness of things. And um, Kuiper's book is a great introduction to an all of Christ for all of life kind of approach to life, whether he's talking about art, the arts, or politics, or, you know, he gets into everything. And the Reformed world, as uh, one theologian described it, could be divided up into three segments. There are the pietists, who are just concerned about personal holiness and godliness. Uh, and of course, it's right to be concerned about that, but not concerned about just that. Uh, they're the pietists, then they're the confessionalists. The confessionalists are concerned about the confessions, doctrinal orthodoxy, and dotting your I's and crossing your T's. And then the Kuyperians. The Kuyperians are concerned about the globe, the whole world, and how the Lordship of Christ applies to politics, how it applies to economics, how it applies to painting, how it applies to dancing, how it applies to everything. And Kuiper does a wonderful job of tackling this. But if you're just starting your pilgrimage in Reformed thinking and applying the scriptures and a biblical worldview to everything, like I said earlier, it might be something of a heavy lift. So, Sumter's book first, a brief introduction, get the two together, brief introduction, and then read Kuiper or read the two together. Read uh, one lecture by Kuiper and then read the, the summary or the introduction to that chapter by Sumter. So, there you go. Mm -hmm.